Welcome to Caring for Caregivers, your life support podcast, where we explore what it really means to focus on our own mental health and well-being in the face of COVID-19 and other life challenges. I'm your host, Phil Rayner, and I've been working in the behavioral health care field as a social worker, serving in clinical supervisory and management roles for over 40 years. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Sindhu Kumar has a uh, master's in public health and has worked in the public health field for 10 years. She's been a quality improvement project manager, and her passions include process improvement and developing initiatives to address the quadruple aim in healthcare. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing ways to cope with stress and anxiety when the complication of having a physical injury is combined with going into lockdown and all of the usual strategies of coping are thrown out the window. Cindy, what a great topic. Um, I, I think for a lot of people, all our usual coping strategies go went right out the window when we went into lockdown and, and with the onset of COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience at that time? Yeah, so when the lockdown first happened, I didn't really realize that we were going to go into lockdown. On March 11th, the lockdown happened on March 19th, but on March 11th, I found out that I just fractured my shin. And the way that I always coped with stress was working out. And when that happened, I was scheduled to run the LA marathon, which I no longer could do. I was kind of already in a sedentary space. All of a sudden I found out March 19th, we're on lockdown for two weeks, which at the time I was like, okay, you know, like this is two weeks that I can also use for my recovery journey. Mm -hmm. But two weeks ended up being two years. And continuing. Um, so during that time, I started thinking of other ways for me to exercise. Um, I was always more into cardio type things like kickboxing and running. Um, and I ended up finding yoga, which was a very good way of me to cope with my stress and anxiety. Um, at the beginning, it's also really a great way of me transitioning from my shin injury and getting back into fitness because I can always modify and do it based on my physical level at that time. And mm -hmm. yeah, it just was a great way of me to practice both meditation and practice my exercise regimen. What, what was your emotional reaction when you first found out, you know, after having had the, the shin injury and, and then going into lockdown and then finding out it was going to go from two weeks to undetermined, what was your initial emotional response to that? It sucked. I was pretty much the Hulk from being Bruce Banner. I really didn't know how to control the energy. And like, I've, I've always been like an outdoor person. I love being outside and all of a sudden I'm constrained into the house. Like I didn't know what else to do. I'm very much on my feet and upper body strength isn't really like something that I know how to do. So I tried everything from like trying to learn how to knit or, you know, like scrapbooking, doing macrame, threading work, nothing kind of took the anxiety away. And that's when I was like, okay, like, let me try focusing on my mind instead of focusing, focusing on my body. And that's how I went from meditation into yoga. I'm impressed with how many different solutions you tried. Yeah. I'm very much one of those like need to fix on the spot type people. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, let it settle. And in the future, 
it'll work itself out. But I'm one of those like, okay, like, let me try like A through Z and then try everything from AA to ZZ as well. So you mentioned a few things that you, you found became helpful for you. Can you tell us a little, a little bit about each of them? You mentioned yoga. Sounds like it was one of the solutions that you found to be more helpful. Yeah. So when my shin was originally fractured, I couldn't practice at all. So I was like, okay, let me just start with like working on my mind. I downloaded the Calm app at that time. Kaiser was offering the Calm app for free to its members. And I ended up downloading it each day. I would sit with it in the morning for about two to five minutes, which eventually became like 10 minutes of just meditation in the morning. And then I ended up transferring once I started healing a little bit more, like after three to five months, I started doing slow yoga to combine with my meditation space. That led to me finding my yoga studio. I wanted to be very COVID conscious about which yoga studio I was searching for. So it required me calling many yoga studios, checking out a lot of places where some places I entered, I just immediately walked out because I could tell they weren't following protocol. But luckily I ended up finding one where they use HEPA filtration systems. They get it checked monthly. They make sure that we're like six feet apart within the yoga studio and they're very mass conscious, which I really appreciated and decided to stick with it. It didn't come overnight. It was definitely after like a year and a half of searching, but glad that I was able to find a studio space where I can still get a sense of community and practice individually as well. So you were looking for a place that would allow you to practice this skill, but also shared your value of being very careful about the COVID protocols. Yes, definitely. So in, in what ways have you found practice to be helpful? It helps with my energy, just gives me something to do. Sometimes I just like have anxious thoughts that creep into my head where I tend to spiral. One thought will suddenly lead into me spiraling into, and what if this happens from that? And what if that happens? And suddenly I just can't find myself sleeping. Um, and I've noticed that the days that I skip my yoga practice, like I still get into those thought processes where I can't sleep peacefully. Whereas being able to go and practice, I feel like a calmer energy at night where I can sleep. I still practice those skills like throughout the day, if something's stressing me out, or if I notice that my body's tensing up, it gave me that awareness too, in the sense of, I notice where I'm carrying my tension. So it's like around like my shoulder areas and my neck. So if I feel that tensing up, I'll need a pause and like, I'll go stretch it out and come back. And I feel better continuing my work that way. So it taught me how to pause, reflect and continue working instead of just like working through the pain. I think that's such an important point for, for many of us in health and human services and behavioral health. We can have that tendency to, to be heroic and want to just keep at it because people need us and, and need help. And to allow ourselves that break to stop and practice something that is going to be helpful and supportive to our own well-being can be a little bit of a challenge. Definitely. So, yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people view rest as the end result of working, whereas like no one really practices work-life balance these days. And I feel like that's very important. And that's something that yoga definitely taught me to be aware of where I can't just separate my physical and my mental spaces. Like I definitely need to be able to balance them throughout the day. And I felt that really helps me on the work end too, where I know that I can't just be a robot that's going to be sitting here for like 12 plus hours cranking 
workout. I need to cater to my mental space as well. Right. There's a recognition that we're human. Yeah. Yeah. Can't just keep producing and producing and producing. Yeah. And then that just leads to burnout in the end. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Which we know has been a very, very big issue in, in healthcare prior to the pandemic, but certainly since the pandemic started. Definitely. Like just in November of last year, there was like 4.3 million Americans that quit their jobs. And it's very telling of how much burnout has affected our nation. What are some of the other solutions that you've found to be effective in in practicing self-care? Well, I still stick to my outdoor activities of hiking and running now that my shin is completely healed. I feel like just being in nature has really helped me cope. It's 2020 was like very much a year of just me sitting in solitary confinement of my four walls, like my computer, my bed. Didn't really feel like I was getting a lot of fresh air. Nowadays, like on the weekends, I will make it a point to go on a different hike. Definitely being COVID conscious again, like if there's a lot of people on the trail, I won't go. I'll just U-turn, find another trail. That's one of the beauties of living in California. There's so many around. Find a trail and just be in nature, just like breathe in that mountain air or be by the beach. It's definitely helped with my healing journey. And and I, I would say for those of us who are in Illinois, those trails are still there. We may have to put on snowshoes, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're, they're out there. What are the benefits that you get from being out in nature? How, do, how does it affect the way you're, feel, you're feeling? It's just breathing in fresh air. It's like a way of still being able to see friends in a safe manner. We mask, we social distance, we're outside. So we take every precaution, still getting that support of doing an activity with someone else and just capturing the elements of the outdoors is always very helpful. It doesn't feel like you're just stuck in the same energy inside. And it also provides like different meditative grounds. Just meditating by the beach or meditating by the mountains has been way more effective than sitting at home. There's just other elements to like focus on instead of just like, okay, you know, like, is my time up? Has it been like three minutes yet of me finishing my meditation? Whereas like when you're sitting by the water, you just like get so immersed in like the sounds of the water or when you're in the mountains, you get immersed with like the sounds of the birds or the trees like whistling. So like, I feel that really adds to it. You mentioned that you're, you're doing some of these activities with others and having that social connection. What do you find helpful about sharing these activities with others? It just feels like I'm not alone in this. Um, Sometimes we tend to think that we're going through this alone and, you know, like COVID is just affecting us or like affecting our loved ones. But when you're out with other people and you have that time to talk, you're away from technology, which I really like. I'm constantly, and this is like a fault of my own, like I'm always by my phone with any other activity where even if I'm watching TV, I'll like pick up my phone and I'm like, oh, you know, like, let me scroll through Instagram. And 30 minutes later, I have missed the whole episode of Grey's Anatomy. So Mm -hmm. I feel like being out in nature and like when you're talking to others, you just have that social connection away from your phone. You don't get service up in the mountains. Yoga, if you pulled out your phone during the middle of class, like you would probably get the death stare. So (laughs) it's those types of things that I really like with the group model. 
-hmm. Yeah, definitely a stink eye. <laughs> Are there any other techniques or strategies that you've been using to practice good self-care? Well, like there were the activities that I tried, um, embroidery and like macrame were mm -hmm. among them, which mm -hmm. I highly enjoyed. It wasn't something that's stuck because I feel like I'm one of those people that just has too much energy bottled up in my body that I need to get up. But I was proud of myself for learning those skills. Like now I'm like, oh, okay, if I see something at the stores that costs like 30 or $40 or like online, I'm like, oh, I can make that. Like, I don't right. need to invest that much money in it. So it's definitely given me that I tried picking up a couple of language apps and that's still something that's in the work that's on my to-do list. I have a COVID to-do list of things that I want to pick up in my spare time. So I don't just catch myself laying on the couch. So that's in the making right now of me trying to learn two new languages. It's really good to hear about things that you tried that didn't quite catch. Even if you like them, they, they didn't quite catch as well because we really do vary. You know, one person might find needlework to be a great way to take care of themselves, uh, calming and focusing and you know, getting their mind off of other concerns. For another person, it's not going to be the right fit. And, and I think that goes with any of the solutions that we talk about. One thing is going to work for one person, but not for another. Yeah, you know, not, not, not everyone is going to want to go hiking in the mountains. Uh, it just doesn't work for them. Uh, yeah. I tried cooking for like the first two months of the pandemic and I was like, I can do this. And then when I realized that the pandemic was going to keep lasting, I was like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> um, so right. I'm going to order very short lived experiment. Mm -hmm. What are some of the lessons that you've learned and how, how could it be helpful for you going forward? Well, I've definitely learned that it's okay to hit a pause button and embrace uncertainty. That's something that I really much struggle with being a type A plus person who likes to see what the problem is and have an immediate solution. And I'm always the person who wants to know what happens to, even when it comes to TV shows, I'm like, just spoil it for me. So I know what I'm going to expect. Like, I don't like when my heart rate fluctuates, like just tell me what's coming. But with COVID and like, having the anxiousness of rising cases that's been like lingering on the back of my head, I began to really like turn back to focusing on myself and focusing on like my breath work and focusing on my yoga and meditation and realizing that even if something works for me one day, such as being able to get into a handstand the next day, I just fall out of it. And just like learning that even my body goes through imbalances and that it's taught me to embrace that uncertainty when it comes to life too. So that's that's a tremendous lesson to, to be able to embrace and get more comfortable with uncertainty. Definitely. And it's not something that I've like 100% mas mastered. I'm not any sort of, you know, Yoda figure yet, even though he is my idol, but hoping one day I'll get there. <laughs> I can't help but laugh. I, I just love that. Um, not quite having hit Yoda status yet, but working in that direction. Definitely. <laughs> That's great. You, you've mentioned a number of really valuable ideas and, and strategies, whether it's yoga or hiking, meditation, breathing. You mentioned an app that you had used. If someone wanted to learn more about some of the resources that you found to be helpful, is there anywhere that they could go to learn more about this? 
Yeah. When it comes to like meditation, like just resources on like mental health, your health plan always offers different type of classes. I'm personally on Kaiser. So Kaiser offers the Calm app for free, or they offer gym memberships for $25 a month. And they partner with like various gyms. It's not just one gym. You can like go to 10 or 12 different studios or just like contacting your yoga, like local yoga studios in your area. Like I mentioned, it took me about like 12 studios to go through for me to find one that really made me feel safe. And it does take a lot of time, but it's something that you're investing in terms of your health as a long-term solution. So I wouldn't give up on those practices. And just like, I feel like your health plans definitely have those resources too. So I would start there if you want something that's free and affordable. That's such a great reminder. A lot of times we think of our health plan as as really just our insurance. And if I'm going to the doctor, then they're going to pick up part of that fee and I'll have my copay. But many of them do have a wide array of different resources that are available at reduced or no cost. Definitely. And they even offer resources through community centers. So I think that that's definitely a great resource. And I mean, if you don't want to go through all that hassle of researching, there's always YouTube. Thank God for that. Whatever you want to pick up. That's how I picked up embroidery. That's how I picked up macrame threading. It was just like a lot of one-on-one step-by-step processes. I think that's such a great point. I'm amazed at the different skills that you can pick up off of YouTube videos. And and it's something that people might not think of in terms of self-care. I have used those for fixing things around the house, but honestly, I don't think I would have thought of it in terms of a self-care practice, but that makes perfect sense. Definitely. Even like professionally, we do it where it's like, you know, if we need a crash course on like how to do something on Excel or how to like fix something on SharePoint, like we turn to... YouTube, but we tend to forget it when it comes to our hobbies. Right, right. Are there any other ideas or last thoughts that you'd want to share with listeners about self-care, working in health and human services? Not really, but I feel like you really summarize it well in the sense of you kind of have to go through a few hobbies and a few tasks in order to find what really works for you to ease your mind. And for some people, it may be cooking. For me, cooking was a disaster in the kitchen. And for some people, you know, it might be going out, doing yoga, meditating. And for some people, that might just be exhausting to think about. So I think it really matters where your interests lie and to listen to yourself just because someone else does it doesn't mean that it's right for you. Just practicing self-care in the way that helps you is the best approach. Well, Sindhu, thank you so much for your input and your ideas today. I'm sure they'll be very helpful for a lot of people. I really appreciate your time. Help is here. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health or substance use concerns, contact 1-833-TO-FIND-HELP. This podcast is produced by Advocates for Human Potential and supported wholly or in part through an emergency COVID-19 grant to the Illinois Department of Human Services, Division of Substance Use Prevention and Recovery from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. The sentiments expressed in this podcast are not endorsed by any of these involved entities.